Time Alone with God. Welcome. It's another look into the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot, as she called us to live to a higher standard every day and not be satisfied with just a little religion. As this series continues in the coming weeks, we'll hear from family, from others, uh, including friends who were influenced by Elizabeth's life and message. Today we have part two and three in Time Alone with God, our five-part series. The importance of silence and hymns and praying without ceasing. We'll be hearing from Della Healy, a friend of Elizabeth, as she talks about what her roommate thought of Elizabeth's wisdom when it came to relationships. Also, authors Janet and Jeff Benj, what inspired them about the Elizabeth Elliot story. First, though, it's the second in our five-part series, Time Alone with God, The Importance of Silence and Hymns. These days, people may avoid silence. How can it help us? You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says. And underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend, Elizabeth Elliot, talking with you again today about being alone with God. Time alone with God. And I said yesterday as I began this series that I realize that I'm treading on very thin ice. I have to tread very delicately because I certainly don't want to be dictating to anybody how, when, or where he should spend time with God. I do want to encourage you to let it be in the morning if possible because it does set the tone for your day. But that's something for you to work out according to your schedule, with your family, and with the Lord. I do believe that according to Scripture, the best time is morning. And how much is it worth to you? A listener asked for my little booklet called And When You Pray, and also asked about having devotions for a family. There are many different devotional books that you can find in Christian bookstores, but I would suggest that devotions for family life should certainly include the Bible. If you include other devotional books, that's up to you entirely, of course. But the thing that my father made a point of was reading the Bible. We never had devotional books read to us. Sometimes we had them to use in our private devotions, but in family prayers, we always began with the singing of a hymn, and then my father simply read the scripture. There wasn't a whole lot of discussion about it. In fact, very seldom was there any. Uh, he just read the Bible. And then we got down on our knees and had and prayed. Rather late in my life, I've been trying to learn the importance of silence. Uh, I've always loved silence. I love to be out in the woods or on top of a mountain or someplace where I can hear nothing but the breeze or the rustling trees. Uh, that's not the kind of silence I'm talking about. I've been trying to discipline myself to simply stand or sit before the Lord in silence without saying anything to Him, placing myself in His presence. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's worth a try. It might be a good idea to practice spending the first few minutes silently, saying nothing, 
thinking nothing except, Lord, here I am in your presence. Speak to me. One of the hymns that I use in my own devotional life, I use it as a prayer. Speak, Lord, in the stillness while I wait on thee. Hushed my heart to listen in expectancy. Speak, O blessed Master, in this quiet hour. Let me see thy face, Lord. Feel thy touch of power. Begin with silence. Put yourself in his presence. Realize his omnipresence. He is here with you in this room. God is everywhere. He is there with you in that car, in that truck. Perhaps you have to have your devotions in the truck. He's looking down on you. He's glad that you're standing before him. Colossians 1, 27-2-8 says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, of course, of the people for whom he was responsible, a much broader sphere than most of us have. But it would be very applicable, I would think, to either a mother or a father who is seeking to have family devotions with the children. Colossians 1, 27 to 2, 8. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Well, it's a wonderful passage, and one which ought to convince us that we are missing out if we never arrange quiet time with the Lord. Let it be as regular as possible, seven days a week if possible. Some days you may have to limit it to five or ten minutes, but that's a matter between you and God. You put yourself in his presence. You remember that he's looking down on you. He's glad that you're standing before him. And you are to prepare your heart to listen. One writer says, humble yourself before God. 
And do you know that in Old Testament times and even today in certain churches, the practice of prostration before the Lord is continued. In other words, lying down flat on your face before God. Now, I wouldn't recommend that you try that in your bed. You'll probably go to sleep. And even if you try it on the floor, you might go to sleep again, too. So don't stay there too long. But it's not a bad idea, is it, to put ourselves on our faces before God, at least on your knees. Ask for grace to serve and worship acceptably. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And then read a portion of Scripture, perhaps a psalm, perhaps a chapter in the Gospels. Try to put yourself in the place of the psalmist or in the story if it's from the Gospels. Ask yourself, what do I learn about God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus? Is there here a command to be obeyed, a sin to be confessed? Is there some cheer here for me or for others who need it? Read and pray. Pray and read. Don't hesitate to pause as you read and talk to God about what you're reading. Is he your Lord and Master, or is he your servant? Do you sometimes find yourself rather petulantly telling God what to do and then getting mad because he doesn't do it? Well, that's humanistic behavior. comes quite naturally to all of us. I'm the center of the universe. I need to be happy. I want to go to heaven. I want to accept Jesus so I can get what I want. But as we learn to grow in grace, Christ becomes the center, and we realize that the old self has got to go. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And a very important aspect of my devotional life, if you are interested in how that goes, is the use of hymns. How can I emphasize strongly enough the importance of hymns, the old hymns of the church? Let me just suggest four. If you are not familiar with hymns, you might be able to get your hands on these four. Love divine, just as I am. Jesus, the very thought of thee, and beneath the cross of Jesus. Four different hymns. I'll give you the words. Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every trembling heart. Jesus wants to do that, you know. And then the hymn that's used at the end of every single Billy Graham crusade. Just as I am, without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. The third one, Jesus 
the very thought of thee with sweetness fills my breast. But sweeter far thy face to see, and in thy presence rest. And the last, beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand, the shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land, a home within the wilderness, a rest upon the way, from the burning of the noontide heat and the burden of the day. May God help you to take time to be alone with Him. The Importance of Silence and Hymns, Time Alone with God, Part 2. Coming up, Praying Without Ceasing, Part 3 in that series. First, though, a friend of Elizabeth, Della Healy. A screenwriter, she knew all the uh, five widows, traveled to Ecuador, and she tells us an interesting reaction from one of her roommates in Bible college when she learned what Elizabeth had to say about relationships. I had a roommate of when this was when we were at Columbia Bible College. When I went back to my room, I wondered where she was because I knew she was in the hall listening to Elizabeth. And then in a few minutes, she came bounding into the room because she was a runner. And she came bounding into the room and she just put her hands on her hips and she said, why didn't anybody tell me anything about this? And it was about male-female relationships, you know. And she just went on and she was exploding because she's walking around the room. You know, here I am. And nobody's ever told me these things. So I always thought that was affirmation of, the, of all of the wisdom that she had put into that book, Passion and Purity, and then into her lectures, too, about it. Author Della Healy. Thank you, Della. Later on, we'll also hear from Janet and Jeff Benj, also authors, as they talk about what inspires them about the Elizabeth Elliot story. Right now, though, praying without ceasing. What does that mean? It's Time Alone with God, Part 3. The most important time of the day, and I hope that you can manage to arrange your schedule so that you can get up early. You might just be amazed at what a difference it'll make for all the rest of the day. If you force yourself, discipline yourself, govern yourself, rule yourself to get out of bed. When that alarm clock rings, put your feet on the floor uh, get up first, as Oswald Chambers says, and think about it later. I want to read a little bit more from A.W. Tozer's little leaflet called Exposition Must Have Application. He says, Theological truth is useless until it is obeyed. The purpose behind all doctrine is to secure moral action. What is generally overlooked is that truth as set forth in the Christian scriptures, is a moral thing. It is not addressed to the intellect only, but to the will also. It addresses itself to the total man, and its obligations cannot be discharged by grasping it mentally. Truth engages the citadel of the human heart and is not satisfied until it has conquered everything there. The will must come forth and surrender its sword. It must stand at attention to receive orders, and those orders it must joyfully obey. There's obviously no point in having time alone with God 
unless you're going to allow the truth to engage the citadel of your heart. And unless you're going to see to it that your will surrenders its sword, you will stand at attention, you will receive your orders in this quiet time alone with God, and then for the rest of the day, you're going to obey them. One of the questions that I'm always wanting to ask is what kind of a difference is Jesus Christ making in my life? Is there a difference between Monday and Saturday, or is it only on Sunday when you go to church and do the formal things? Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. How in the world can we do this? I can't be consciously praying while I'm working on my computer. I'm not necessarily consciously praying while I'm writing a letter. Sometimes I am. Sometimes when I'm peeling an onion, I'm consciously praying, or when I'm taking my walk. But certainly not 24 hours a day. But how can we do this? I do believe that it can be done by making all of life an offering. All of my life. It is a transforming principle. That when I am doing my housework, I am doing it for God. When I'm doing my radio programs, I'm doing it for God. When I'm doing my newsletter, I'm doing it for God. When I'm taking a walk, I'm doing it for God in the sense that my body, which needs exercise, has already been completely surrendered to Him. Let's give ourselves time to think over these things in that quiet time alone with God. Is all of your life an offering, or are there areas in it or factors that you would not feel comfortable offering to God. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. So all that I am, all that I have, and all that I do, and all that I suffer, I am to offer up to Him. Now I have a little prayer card, which you might want to call Gateway to Joy or write to them. You can get a copy of this. But this is just a simple prayer of commitment, of surrender. Some of you who are looking for help in prayer or in beginning a personal devotional life alone with God might find this helpful. Loving Lord and Heavenly Father, I offer up today all that I am, all that I have, all that I do, and all that I suffer to be yours today and yours forever. Give me grace, Lord, to do all that I know of your holy will. Purify my heart. Sanctify my thinking. Correct my desires. Teach me in all of today's work and trouble and joy to respond with honest praise, simple trust, and instant obedience, that my life may be in truth a living sacrifice by the power of your Holy Spirit, and in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, my Master and my all. Amen. I've given up my right to myself. I have surrendered myself to Jesus Christ, and so I am not my own. And this quiet time in the morning, alone with God, is not primarily meant to get but to give. That's the first thing that I want to emphasize. Let's try to make it an offering to God, a giving, a lifting up of my heart.
And then, of course, I want to receive whatever God wants to give me. There are different kinds of prayer. Thanksgiving, confession, intercession, praise, silence. Did you realize that one form of prayer can be silence? Or that silence can be a form of prayer? I believe so. My prayers ought not to be primarily meant to twist God's arm to my desires, but rather to bend my will to his desires. Amy Carmichael wrote, And shall I pray thee, change thy will, my Father, and be, until it be according unto mine? But no, Lord, no, that never shall be. Rather, I pray thee, blend my human will with thine. I pray thee, hush the hurrying, eager longings. I pray thee, soothe the pangs of keen desire. See in my quiet places wishes thronging. Forbid them, Lord, purge, though it be with fire, and work in me to will and do thy pleasure, till all within me peaceful, reconciled, tarry content my well-beloved's leisure. At last, at last, even as a weaned child. And I've discovered, this is certainly my testimony, that the more I bend my will to God's desires instead of trying to twist his arm to mine, peace comes. Peace like a river, as I learn this. Some listener today, I'm sure, is feeling very discouraged, useless, helpless, sinful, and far from God. In the words of Samuel Rutherford, I would urge you to come to the deep, sweet well of love. That's Jesus Christ. He doesn't feel far from you. He's right there. He's looking down on you. He loves you. He's glad if you turn to him. He's waiting for it, and he loves to hear your prayers. Never mind how discouraged or useless or helpless or sinful you might feel. I want to say, so what else is new? That describes all of us at times, doesn't it? The deep, sweet well of love is Christ. Someone has said, God gives us thirst for love and then makes bitter all the earthly wells wherein we seek to satisfy our burning. And so we look above and find at last the only spring that quells the longing and the yearning. That spring is Jesus Christ. God said, you have hewed out for yourselves broken cisterns which can hold no water, and you have turned away from the water of life. So I say to you today, come back. He's waiting. And then in our prayer time, our quiet time with God, there should be what is called oblation, a gift, an act of giving, anything offered in worship or service. If you sing a hymn, that can be an act of giving. You offer it to God. If you simply give yourself this body, I present my body as a living sacrifice, that's an oblation. 
all the things that I've been talking about this week fall into the category of prayer, putting yourself in God's presence, remembering that he is there because we are told that God is omnipresent, remembering that he is omniscient, he knows everything, he knows what you're going to pray about before you start praying, doesn't he? Is there any point in praying? Yes, he wants to hear from you. He's looking down on you. He lives in me. Christ liveth in me. He is present here in the room as I walk, as I drive, as I work, as I read the word, as I ask for correction, instruction, help, blessing, thanksgiving, intercession. Intercession usually means prayer for other people. And if you're anything like me, you can't remember all the people you need to pray for, so you make lists. I have a Monday list and a Tuesday list, etc. And I also have a daily list, quite a long list of people that I pray for every day. Offering, oblation, acceptance of the present moment. These are some of the elements that might go into your quiet time with God. And if you say, well, Elizabeth, I've only got 10 minutes. How in the world do you expect me to fit in all that stuff? Correction, instruction, help, blessing, thanksgiving, intercession, offering, oblation, acceptance at the present moment. I can't do it. Is there no time for all of this? How much does it take? Maybe you haven't tried it. You might just be amazed at the few seconds in which you can present yourself to God or offer up a prayer it's contact, it's communion, it's the lifting up of your heart that matters. And then you begin to learn to practice the presence of God all day. Part three in our series, Time Alone with God, Praying Without Ceasing. Well, before we go, let's hear from authors Janet and Jeff Benj of YWAM as they talk about the inspiration they find in Elizabeth Elliot's story. Well, for myself, I think I'm inspired by her dogged determination. Once she set her mind to do something, uh, she continued down that path, uh, regardless of, you know, <laughs> the, the things that uh, were difficult about it. And also, I think I'm very inspired by her courage uh, as a mother who was in a missionary situation with young children myself. It's, you know, a quite a difficult thing to take your children into areas uh, where there's disease and, you know, potential violence and things like that. And that she went in alone, uh, you know, without her husband into such a um, potentially dangerous situation after her husband was killed by the Warani. I think it, it's uh, tremendously inspiring. Yes, and for me, I think what was uh, inspiring about her story was the fact that, yes, this group of people who had murdered her husband and some other men, she went back to and I think that's one of the things that surprises people about this story this is not what everybody does um and so that she felt like God was calling her back there if you like she wasn't a one-trick pony after her time there she went off and she built a whole other ministry of encouraging and inspiring people and teaching them about the Lord she was a many multifaceted person and I think very in interesting and a very effective person. Authors Janet and Jeff Bench, thank you. Well, our time together is coming to an end. 
Hey, thanks for letting us come along with you as you got some exercise, or maybe you were at home or at the office. Thanks for letting us come along. On behalf of the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation, in cooperation with the Bible Broadcasting Network, let me invite you to check out all the resources at elizabethelliot.org. Resources like more talks, devotionals, videos, and when you get a chance, leave a review for us. Maybe others will tune in as they read about your thoughts on this uh, time together. But until next time, may God remind you daily you're loved with an everlasting love. Underneath are the everlasting arms. Thank you.